My name is Julie Tai, and I am the director of chapel at Fuller Theological Seminary. Welcome to Fuller Studios' audio stream of sermons drawn from campus chapels and preachers throughout our extended community. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 33 to 37. Either make the tree good, and its fruit good, or make the tree bad, and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person brings good things out of a good treasure, and the evil person brings evil things out of an evil treasure. I tell you, on the day of judgment, you will have to give an account of every careless word you utter. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. As my five-year-old says, when we ask him about something that he's enjoying, how are you feeling? He says, Mom, I am stuffed with joy. So this morning, y'all, I am stuffed with joy to be here before you today. Glory to God. Typically, I am one of those little squares up on the screen. So hello to our virtual and online community. It sure is good to see you, and it's good to be in the room with you all today. So today, if I had to title my talk, it would be called Living Rooted. I bring you greetings as a faculty member in the School of Psychology, Marriage, and Therapy. Uh, whoop, whoop. Yes, it has been great to see more of colleagues from this side of the campus over here in the Pasadena side. I'm pointing out of Travis for you all online. Seeing them here because there are ways in which we do this integrative work too. Given that it is Women's History Month, I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to honor the women who have paved the way for me to stand here today. I first name the women of my faith tradition, some of whom I have never met in person, but I have met in spirit. So to the Honorable Sarah Allen, thank you. To the Honorable Jarena Lee, thank you. To the Dr. Bishop Reverend Vashti McKenzie, thank you. To Dr. Renita Weems, Thank you. And to my very own Miss Opal Hollins, who was the first person outside of my family to disciple me from ages one through, well, no, grade one, not age one, from grade one through high school, who just two weeks ago celebrated her 90th birthday. She still has a driver's license, and she's one of the ones that we still want on the road. So thank God for her. To the women who gave birth to me both spiritually and physically. To my mother, Doris Edwards Brooks, thank you. To my grandmother, 
Minner, Vera, Heidelberg, Demerson, yes, thank you. To my great-grandmother, Viney Dukes, thank you. And Annie Bender, thank you. And to the myriad of sister friends, of mentors, of colleagues and fellow sojourners, I say, Ashe, thank you. To Dr. Alexis Abernathy, thank you. To the Reverend Dr. Velma Union, thank you. To Paula Rochelle Fuller, thank you. To Marion D. Skeet, thank you. To Shannon Stanton Abache, thank you. To Dr. Emily Choge, thank you. To Dr. Suzanne Sang, thank you. These are but a few of the women who have created a path for me to be here today, for me to be seen. To Gloria Dehane Reese, thank you. You reminded me this week that sticks in a bundle do not easily break. And I am so very glad that you and the women that I have named and the women that are yet unnamed have been my community, have been my sticks that have held me steady, kept my knees from buckling, and have kept me from breaking. Thank you. In our time together, I have two things that I want to do. One is share with you the research that I get to do, not that I have to do, but the research that I get to do in the School of Psychology and marriage and family therapy. The second thing I wanna do is I wanna highlight this passage that was read. Whoa, that very last scripture. It's like, how do you come up from under it? Where is the hope? But y'all, we know it's the good news for a reason. There is hope in there. And I hope to talk to you a little bit about that. So many of you have likely heard this term of embodied faith. What is it? Essentially, embodied faith refers to the idea that our Christian faith is not a set of abstract beliefs or simple concepts, but it's something that is lived out in daily life through our actions, our behaviors, our attitude. Furthermore, it's really talking about the physicality of our bodies. It's not something to be subjugated. It's something to be celebrated. It's something through which God uses to bless others. Today, I invite you into an opportunity to explore embodied faith as it encourages us to not merely stand on the sidelines, not to merely see what's happening, but to get involved with what's happening, to address issues of inequality, discrimination, and oppression, and work to create a more just, and dare I say, equitable society. That's not just a call for me. That's a call for all of us. And we all find, through the power and grace of God, our unique lens, our unique way of doing just that work. And now I invite you to get settled. I invite you to join me in an experiential activity that allows us to be more embodied. And let me tell you what we're going to do, just in case you're wondering. She's from the School of Psychology. What is she going to have us doing today? <laughs> I submit this to you as potentially a new spiritual practice if you don't already have it. 
It's a practice that I use. It's a practice that I use with my clients. It's a practice that we use in our research lab. It's a practice that I use when I speak before congregations or workshops. It is a practice that helps us to settle. Why do we need to be settled? Because we live in these human bodies. There's physiological, biological, neurological, there's all kinds of stuff happening amongst all the spiritual stuff. And God honors and celebrates all that, as we should as well. But there are particular times when stress stresses us out, right? So we have to figure out what do we do with that? How do we manage that? So I invite you today to be settled with me. So what I'm going to do, if you want to keep your eyes open, you can. If you want to close them, it's fine. Nobody's going to touch you. Nobody's going to do anything. But if you keep your eyes open, I ask that you kind of gaze off into the distance, right? Because we don't want to be so conscientious about what's happening externally. This is an opportunity for us to go internal. After I do that, I'm going to invite you to think about your body, to identify some things. But what I want to teach you real quick is something we call compassion holes. Compassion holes are simply those opportunities to love on ourselves, all right? We all need to do that sometimes. So the first compassion hold that I'm going to teach you is the butterfly hold. That's simply like a, a nice warm hug. The next compassion hold is hand over heart, right? That just automatically, just when you do that, don't you just feel something when you do that? The other one is hand on head and hand on belly. Ooh, right? Don't you get a feeling with that? And then hand on head and hand on heart. Some of us distinctly do these movements, depending on if we're stuffed with joy or if we're stuffed with overwhelmedness, right? So those are the four compassion holes that I'm going to invite you to engage in as we're in this settling practice. So if you're comfortable, I ask you to close your eyes. If not, again, stare into the distance. And I ask you simply to breathe. It's a unique type of breath. I'm going to ask you to breathe in through your nose as if you're smelling some beautiful aroma. I'm going to ask you to hold that breath at the top. Once you feel like you can't take any more in, just take another sip. Hold it. And then I want you to blow it out as if you're blowing out a candle. Yeah, so you're breathing in. You're holding that breath at the top, and you're blowing it out. Just continue to breathe and listen to my words. What you are doing right now is engaging your parasympathetic nervous system. What is that? That's the opposite of the fight or flight that many of us are constantly in. You are tricking your body. You are helping your body to calm, to regulate, simply by the act of breathing. The next thing I'm going to ask you to do as you continue to breathe is I'm going to ask you to engage in a compassion hold. So whether it's the hands on heart, butterfly, hand on head and belly, hand on heart and head, whatever it is, engage in that compassion hold. And as you're doing that, imagine the creator of the universe loving on you, holding you, speaking tenderly to you, whatever is that image that brings you peace, that brings you calm, imagining that happening for you right now. And with that, I invite you to simply sit there. Sit holding that space. I already see it. I see the yawns happening. That's a good thing. 
I see the postures in the room changing. That's a good thing. But I invite you to open your eyes and follow me on the rest of our journey together today. So Matthew 12, 33 through 37 brings up a lot. For me, the way in which I engage this work, in my research lab that is, is I look for the opportunities to close the, the health disparity gap for black women and enhance their quality of life. I'm privileged to run the Black Women Spirituality Research Lab. What does closing the health gap look like? It looks like what we just did. One of the biggest factors that impact our, not only our physical health, but our mental health is stress. You can imagine being a person who's on the margins in society, just the constant stressors that are happening, the constant cortisol that's flowing through one's body and how that's impacting them. We centered the voices of black women in our lab. We center the voices because we want to hear what are the ways, what are the unique ways in which our systems, our systems of oppression, our systemic racism has impacted even the medical systems, y'all. Even the ways that we get care. God is concerned about that. God wants us to do some work on that. And I'm grateful that in our lab we get to do just that. Now, you know a little bit about my lens, the ways in which I see the world. So let's reflect on this passage together. Now, when I look at this passage, the first thing that I see is that there was an opportunity for healing within the context of community. Setting up the stage a little bit, you have the religious leaders, you have the crowd, and you have Jesus reading them. Reading those religious leaders. He's calling them out. He's like, hey, be consistent. Are you a good tree? Are you a bad tree? But not in a way that induces shame. Actually, when you call things out in community, there's an opportunity for healing. If we don't name it, how can we fix it? So that's my first reflection. If you are not a part of a community where you are vulnerable enough to be called out, I encourage you to think about that community and to broaden your community. Because at times we all need our, as my mom says, mom, I know you're watching, our coattails pulled. Why do we need that? Because there's sometimes we get out of pocket. And we need our community to help us to see the fruit that we are exhibiting, to help us to be consistent. What else do we learn? We learn that from our heart, our mouth speaks. We are an embodied people. This phrase highlights the interconnectedness of our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. To all of the CBT people in the room, what is this? It's cognitive behavioral therapy. This is the cognitive triangle. God cares about our thoughts. He cares about our emotions. He cares about our behaviors. What are you thinking? What are you thinking about? Who are you thinking these things about with? God cares about those things. And finally, I told y'all there's some hope here because when it ends with the fact that out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouth speaks, and then it says we will be justified and we have to give account for every word, oh my Lord. <laughs> 
that's some heavy stuff. But the hope is there. The hope is you will be justified. My fellow believers, we are justified, not because of what we've done, but who our creator is and what has been done on our behalf. So there is hope. The last thing I want to say today is connected to that whole cognitive triangle. How we think affects how we feel and how we do things in the world. So my mom, amongst many things, is a creative. She is an artist. She is phenomenal in her artwork. She has done art all of our lives. I grew up thinking I was not good at doing art. Only five years ago, y'all, someone invited me to a paint party and I was like, yeah, I'll come, but I'm not gonna do anything. I'll just hang out and, you know, see everybody. But someone put a pen and a paintbrush and said, do it. So I did a little activity and lo and behold, I found out I could paint. <laughs> and it was like just magical. It's like things just start showing up on the canvas. And what that taught me was that whole cognitive triad. I thought I couldn't do it. So I began to act like I couldn't do it. And guess what? I couldn't do it. But within the context of community, somebody say, come on now. <laughs> within the context of community, y'all, look at this. Look at this. Tina Houston Armstrong can do a little something. Now the composition is all off, it's all to the side and all that stuff, but that's okay. The message is sometimes we don't recognize the fruit that we have because it's not an isolative process. It has to be a process that's embedded in community. So I invite you all to get with your community, do a fruit check. What does your produce look like? And with that, I thank you. been listening to a production of Fuller Studio. Fuller Studio provides articles, podcasts, videos, and other resources for a deeply formed spiritual life. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit us at fuller.edu slash studio.